I'm Stephanie, an occupational therapy student, and you're listening to OT School, Surviving and Thriving. Thanks for listening to my very first podcast. So a little about myself. I'm an OT doctoral student, and I go to Gannon University, and that's in Ruskin, Florida. And I'm currently working on my capstone project. So this podcast is a part of my DSI completion, which is basically a doctoral specialty internship. And my goal for this project is to help students who are interested in OT school or current graduate students with how to survive graduate school from a first person interviews, including trials and tribulations. So my first guest is JJ, and JJ is a really good friend of mine, and she's also a classmate in my cohort. Hey, JJ. Hey, Steph. How's it going? Good. Thanks for being here. Not a problem. I'm excited to help everybody learn some tips and tricks to survive OT school. So tell the audience a little about yourself. All right. So um, a little bit about myself. Um, I am a Floridian. I was born and raised here in Florida. I went to undergrad in South Florida in Fort Myers, and I'm the odd student of the bunch. I have my background in business management, um, and then I took a year of prereqs, and now I'm at Gannon. It's really nice, and it was very convenient for me because it is in Florida, so I really didn't have to relocate far, which I know a lot of our students did. Yeah, a lot of our classmates were from all over the U.S., and they're from other countries of the world. Yeah, it's nice that we have like a nice amount of students from everywhere so we can learn more about cultures and religions, so that way when we do approach people um, in a therapy session, we know how to address them appropriately. Yeah, definitely. And I like how you also mentioned that your background is actually in business management. Was that correct? Yep. And I think that's important to note because people with all different backgrounds, you don't have to necessarily have a pre-occupational therapy background from your undergraduate. I know mine is psychology, so that was a little different and it was difficult for me to go back to school and have to take all those prereqs because I knew nothing about anatomy and physiology and all those more science-based classes. Yeah, and I think it helped too is that I never stopped going to school. So I did four years for undergraduate degree. And then as soon as I graduated, I started those prereqs at a community college. So it was more me just continuing. So I still had some of those habits and routines, which was nice. But I was starting at like zero because I knew basic things basic anatomy and things like that, but muscles and nerves and everything like that, I really didn't know. So I know like personally, I know when we took neuro, I was a little bit struggling. I'm grateful for all our neuro tutors because they really helped me because that's not my background. Yeah, definitely. So what we're going to be talking about in this episode is how to survive your first year of graduate school. First question I have for you is what kinds of things did you do to financially prepare for going back to school? Um, So financially preparing, I know like I had to do a lot of research on loans and grants and things like that. Um, another thing is I did get like a part-time job. So since I was at a community college three days a week, I did do side work jobs. So I did a lot of babysitting. I took a lot of side jobs just to help with that. And I was very grateful my family was able to support me. I know other classmates um, took out more funding or got church scholarships or things like that. And that helped a lot for them too. Yeah, luckily I worked a lot or I went back to school. So I had a little bit of money saved up. But I mean, financially, it does take a toll on you. 
I would say the majority of people do take out extra loans. And when I'm going through my literature review for my capstone project, I find that a lot of studies are reporting that financial burden is one of the major factors of stress for students during graduate school, which makes a lot of sense. Well, because not only are you paying for your classes and your books and your supplies, a lot of people that are coming into the state, they're trying to find places to live and places to rent. I know a recommendation um, personally that it is to rent a house. It's significantly cheaper and you can get it near school um, because some apartments are very expensive or they're very far away because there's not really a lot of apartments in Ruskin. I know they opened up one, which is really nice. But I know personally, we just rented a house, which financially was a lot better for me than getting an apartment because I couldn't afford that. And speaking of renting a house, did you find it difficult to make new friends with your classmates or was it easier because you had roommates to start? So like any person going to a new school, I was a little nervous. I think it greatly helped that my roommates were my classmates so we could kind of start getting that bond and that relationship. So it was kind of like this is my group of friends that I already have. And then it was nice because like everybody in our class was open. So it was nice because our first year everyone was invited to do a lot of things and take advantage of of those things because you want to get to know your classmates. I know personally, I didn't go to everything and I wish I did more, but that's what I'd recommend to you guys is when you're classmates and you want to get to know everybody, go out and go to the beach and go to top golf and go do those things. Yeah. And I know that that's hard sometimes because you want to do the most that you can academically and you don't want to fall behind. So a lot of times you're like, oh, I don't think I can go out this weekend. And, and it's also hard because you don't want to have to feel like you need to spend money luckily you know with our classmates we did we were able to just hang out and you know in their apartments or whatever and still had a good time for me I found it difficult at first since I didn't have any roommates and I wasn't using a lot of social media like Facebook but I felt it was pretty easy to make friends with everyone in class because we all pretty much had at least one common interest Yeah. And I think like during our first week, we had a bunch of icebreaker games, which was really nice because it's like, oh, you have the similar experience as I do. And going back to also getting to know your classmates, don't you don't need to do everything. It was just a recommendation, but just try and get out and talk to people. But time management, because you don't want to spend all your time just studying. Like it's important to have that occupational balance of work and play. Definitely. What were some of the most challenging aspects of your first year and how did you address them? So like I said, um, neuro was a struggle for me. I know that's our quote unquote weed out class to pass and to move on. I was very grateful for the tutors, but I did have to make a lot of appointments with them just because I didn't have that background. So it was really nice. They really worked with me and I'm very grateful. My roommates helped me so much as well. And I'm a very visual learner. So what I did also was I got, I went to Home Depot and I got giant dry erase board, like four feet tall dry erase boards. And I drew out and wrote out everything because visually it helped me study more. And I color coded everything and that helped me a lot, but it was definitely a challenge because I had to spend so much more time studying for neuro than the other classes, which wasn't isn't the best, but I knew that's where I struggled the most in. So if you know that's going to be a struggle for you, make sure that you know how to study and what your routine is. Like I said, I'm visual, so I got that dry erase board and I went and saw the tutors and my classmates and my roommates. I'm very grateful and blessed they helped me. So make those connections and those study pals too. Neuro was my hardest and worst class ever. And it stressed me to the point where I just 
I felt like I wasn't gonna pass my first semester. It was so bad. But I do agree, you know, taking advantage of those mentors is really, really important, especially neuro. And once I started seeing the mentors, it was like, oh, like, I get it. Like, you know, when you hear it from somebody that's on the same page as you, it's just a lot easier to understand it. And when I'm looking through research, I find that studies are showing that peer mentorship helps a lot with increasing motivation and your drive to learn. It also decreases anxiety when you're taking exams and doing practicals, things like stress reduction, and then overall confidence in your abilities. Because I know that, like you said, it's kind of a weed out class. Mm -hmm. You feel like you're not capable of doing it and you start to doubt yourself. Yeah. And I think you bring up a great perspective of that study, like other students helping you. And I know sometimes I still had a hard time and I needed someone to break it down further. So that's where like my classmates help with study guides and visuals and those study buddies really helped personally, just because it wasn't my area. I needed a little extra. Yeah. And I agree. I was all, I'm also a very visual learner. I use my notebook a lot. I filled up notebooks like crazy and I was actually writing notes. I found that that really helped as opposed to typing. And sometimes when they talk too fast in class, I would do things like I would type the notes and then I would go back home and then I would write it in my notebook and then I would highlight it and then I would write it again and then I would highlight it. And that was kind of my way of studying and it seemed to work for me. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing is like you need to find the study habit that worked for you because I know you and I have similar study habits, but I know some people don't work that way. They have to type their notes or some of our classmates like to listen. Some of them even recorded lectures and listen to them over and over again. And that's how they learn. And I think another point to make that's important is that it's good to review your notes and to study beforehand with classmates, but you want to make sure that they're kind of on the same page as you and they're supportive because you don't want to be overly stressed out with other people who are also overly stressed. All you talk about is upcoming exams and things like that. I feel like that's kind of counterintuitive. Like you want to support each other. You want to find people that are supportive and you don't want to necessarily be around others that are just constantly worrying about the next thing. I think that's where that occupational balance of studying and friendships and doing something other than school comes in. And I think that's a hard thing. That's a great thing you brought up because I think it's a hard thing that people don't realize is that sometimes all they talk about is school. And that's okay, but we need to also make sure we have other things to talk about as well. So you're not always in that constant state of stress. Exactly. In some of my, some of the other episodes I'm going to be doing, I'll be talking about stress management and occupational balance, you know, throughout your whole entire career in school. But definitely the first year, it's really hard to get into that groove of finding that balance and finding ways to help you with stress management. Oh, yeah. And I also feel like it varies semester by semester. Like, some semesters were not easier, but I felt like it was a lighter load than others. So your studying techniques may change. The core of it may stay the same, but the techniques around you may change. That kind of brings into my next question. How did your study habits and homework routines compare from your first year to your second year? So my first year, I I'll fully admit I was more organized than my second year because my second year I had a lot of other things going on. But my first year, I felt like I was very organized. I color coded my planners. I color coded everything, which is how I, how I visualized everything. And then my second year, I know there was a lot of changes in the syllabus. And there was also a lot more projects. So there's a lot more group projects 
subjects in your second year, especially our second semester, I feel like. And it's not as much exams as it is group projects. So you really got to change your way of thinking as to, oh, I got to study for a test. Well, it's more I have to prepare for presentation. So I think that was like the big thing. Just always still keep that color coding. Like that's how I organized when I needed a project due and things like that. And also just communicate with your group. Like you may not all get along, but you do need to have a common goal of getting the project done. And you need to make sure everybody has equal part in that and there's everything is communicated. So I feel like for me, compared to my first year, for my second year, I was a lot more organized. And I kind of understood like what worked for me because I realized I'm more of a visual learner. And I'm naturally a procrastinator. So procrastination, it doesn't always work when you're in graduate school. And especially when you have a million projects and group work and exams throughout the year. And what seemed to help for me was a weekly to do Mm -hmm. list. Like you said, with like a giant whiteboard, like I had a whiteboard or my planner and I wrote down everything I had to do and I just crossed it out and it was kind of nice to see like those check marks of all the things that you accomplished and then it kind of keeps you going, makes you, for whatever reason, it just seems to make you more motivated to keep going on to the next thing. Oh yeah. Like I still have one in my apartment, even doing capstone work, I still have one to check off for work and other things to do. Um, I also think it's good to like write down everything that's due in your class because sometimes there's a little assignment that, oh, it's only five points. It doesn't matter. Those five points can help you no matter what. So make sure you like write down everything. And another piece of advice I have for group projects is some people want to get things done ASAP. Some people procrastinate a little bit longer. If you're in a group project, it'd be great to set deadlines for everything that you want to do. So that way, you know, everybody's on the same page. So if you're worried about, oh, this project piece isn't done. And what about this piece? If you give everybody a deadline, that way, every Everybody's on the same page. So that way, even the people that work ahead and people work early, they'll not, they shouldn't have to worry, oh, this person should have everything done on this date, which will be helpful. Yeah, that's another good point just to note that people tend to do things at different times and you just have to kind of compromise with them to get things done. Mm -hmm. And that'll be throughout all of your time at Gannon, all your graduate school, even even in clinic. Like it's important to talk to your fieldwork mentor um, on when something's due because you may be off off on times because I know I had to do that when I was at Moffitt. I had to sit down and be like, let's set a schedule up because we were having miscommunication and that really helped. So it's not just something you can use in school. I think it's really, really important to have a really good, comfortable computer chair and a desk and a quiet environment. Yes. Because ergonomically, it's good. And you're just going to be way more comfortable overall. And I think that's really, really important. Oh, yeah. And setting up an area that's not distracting. I know before COVID, you and I would go to a coffee shop, have a coffee and sit and study and we'd get a lot of work done because it was an environment that we knew we had to focus on. We're at home. Oh, there's the TV. Oh, there's laundry I need to do. There's lots of things. So you need to make sure that your environment is set up for your success. So if you know things are going to distract you, make sure you get them done beforehand. I know personally, I live with my fiance right now and we only have one office. Well, he needs it more than I do. So I had to set up a new environment, which is fine, but I had to make modifications to make sure it was ergonomic and things like that. Mm -hmm. So overall, did you feel like you knew what to expect before starting your program? (laughs) So yes and no. Um, I think I should have taken an additional maybe science class to help with neuro and even to like review my anatomy before going into school. So if you can review it before like starting your first on campus semester, that'd be great. But besides that, I really like I felt I felt like I was was prepared just because I didn't really stop 
school. I just keep continuing. So for me, I didn't know what to expect, honestly, (laughs) because I had stopped school. So from the time from undergrad to graduate school was about three years, I believe. I forget, not including taking classes at community colleges. Mm -hmm. So I I wasn't exactly prepared. Luckily, our program does have that summer semester online to kind of get your feet wet. So I don't know about other people out there who are just starting graduate school, like OT school, what their programs are like. But I kind of felt like even though it was a lot of work, it was helpful just to get your feet wet and kind of know what to expect. Especially if you haven't been in school for a while. Exactly. What I'm finding throughout my literature review is that a lot of studies say that OT students particularly feel unprepared and they don't really know what to expect. So it kind of makes sense. And I think this occurs especially for field work, Mm -hmm. which I'm going to talk about later on, but that comes throughout the semesters. You have level one and level two field work, but that's a huge part of, you know, uncertainty and not knowing what to expect, but that's the whole other topic. Oh, yeah. So going back to relationships, was it difficult to maintain relationships with your friends and family? And how were you able to maintain them? So I'd probably say it was more difficult to maintain a relationship with my family just because I was already living with them during prereqs. And I do have a special needs sister. So it was kind of difficult because my parents relied on me a lot to help. Um, Even when they were when they were working or a caregiver couldn't show up, like I was the next person in line to help take care of her. So I know when I went away, to school, it was difficult because my parents would want me to come home um, quite often just to help and to see me and things like that. And I know we didn't live far, but it was a little bit stressful at first because I couldn't do every weekend because I had school and because I had studying. Um, at one point, I just had to sit down with them and be like, I could, I can come home once a month, but I can't do it all the time just because of that balance with school. So that was probably the most difficult. And I think just because of my situation with my sister, it was a little bit more difficult. Um, additionally, I was in a long distance relationship, so I had to balance both of them. Um, thankfully, he came up to see me a lot more more, which kind of helped a lot too. It makes it harder when you have to take on those different roles and when you're helping out with your sister. And it's hard because you have your own things you have to do. It's basically a full-time job when you're in graduate school, but yet sometimes your family doesn't necessarily understand that. And they're like, oh, you know, I want you to come over every weekend. Then you do. I need some time for myself. I need some t- to spend some time with my boyfriend. It's difficult to kind of maintain those relationships in the way that you want them to. Yeah, and it was important for me to talk with my parents because at one point I was just so stressed out because I was like, I because they needed my help. And I was just like, I want to see you. I want to help you, but I cannot do it all. And I just told them I can't do it all. And school right now, like you're in school, that is your job. And I told and I told them that. So it's really important to have those conversations with your family and with your friends and with your significant others, just to make sure it's like, I'm not ignoring you. I need to study and I will make time for you. I promise you, but let me get this done first. Yeah, I think that's a good point is just to be open and to be communicating with them in a way that they understand. So as long as everybody understands each other. It's just important to know how everybody's feeling and everyone's communicating because your parents may not know that that's a lot of pressure on you. They may not understand how much work goes into graduate school because not everybody goes. And I think for people who have families that are living halfway across the country, like I did, it's really important to make sure you maintain relationships with them because it can be hard and, you know, we're all busy and it's hard to remember like, oh, I got to go call my mom. 
I got to call my dad, my best friend back home. And we just got to make sure you have that balance and you take time to talk to them. The social support is really, really important. Oh, yeah. So when you're looking back at your first year, what kinds of advice would you give to incoming OT students? My advice for incoming OT students would be don't be afraid to ask for help, both in classes or even if you're stressed and need to talk to a counselor. The school does offer services to get you some counseling for free because that is a big change. That is a big transaction. So don't be afraid to ask for the help and just make sure you have that balance because I know not everybody remembers to have that balance of school and leisure and it's very important because school without the leisure would be very stressful so make sure you take that time and go enjoy learning about your friends and going to the beach and doing those things just make sure you're doing it responsibly so that way you can go back to school and you can go back to those things but you have a break you have a mental break from school because you can go away but if you go home and you think at your textbooks you're automatically going to think of all the other things you're going to do I agree with you 100% on don't be afraid to ask for help because that was my issue when I started my program during my first year because I was living alone and I felt like I didn't really have anybody to go to personally. It's hard when you don't feel confident your first year, you don't want to ask for help. So I think 100% that's really important. And I know just as long as you put in the work, just be confident in your abilities and make sure you said to take time for yourself. And it's really important to have that balance for sure in your first year. Oh yeah. And you can always talk to the professors. They've all been very supportive. So if you have something going on, don't be afraid to talk to them about it. I know I had some family deaths occur our first year and I talked to them and I said, hey, I know I'm not doing a good job in class right now because your participation is an important grade. Just make sure you explain to them like this is going on. I'm not trying to be a bad student and they're very understanding. Yeah, that's a good point. Just be open and, you know, reach out to people. Oh, yeah. Well, JJ, thank you so much for joining me in my first episode. Of course. Thank you for having me. And I hope to help everybody learn more tips and tricks on how to survive OT school. Thank you. All right. We'll see you around. See you later.